Welcome to the UTG at Work podcast. I'm Deacon Mike Houghton. I'm the Executive Director of an Apostolate called UTG at Work. Our mission is to help women and men joyfully live their faith and witness to Christ and the gospel in the workplace. I'm happy to be with you as we explore the Sunday gospel in ways that help people who work. You can find this podcast as well as helpful articles, videos, and other materials on our website, which is utgatwork.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting sites. This weekend, we celebrate the 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time, and our gospel is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Peter approached Jesus and asked him, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus answered, I say to you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. This is why the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who decided to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the accounting, a debtor was brought before him who owed him a huge amount. Since he had no way of paying it back, the master ordered him to be sold along with his wife, his children, and all of his property in payment for the debt. At that the servant fell down, did him homage, and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back in full. Moved with compassion, the master of that servant let him go and forgave him the loan. When that servant left, he found one of his own fellow servants who owed him a much smaller amount. He seized him and started to choke him, demanding, Pay back what you owe. Falling to his knees, his fellow servant begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had the fellow servant put in prison until he paid back the debt. Now when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply disturbed and went to their master and reported the whole affair. His master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you your entire debt because you begged me. Should you not have had pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? Then, in anger, his master handed him over to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt. So will my heavenly Father do to you unless each of you forgives your brother from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The double standard is something that we've all grown accustomed to. We see double standards in our politicians, who will hold others to a measure that they themselves feel justified in ignoring. We see double standards in our families, where we sometimes find close relatives who will gossip about other family members, but object to being the subject of gossip themselves. And of course, we see double standards in our workplaces, where among other very problematic things, we see the display of crosses and religious symbols being forbidden while the display of symbols of lifestyles that we know to be sinful not only are allowed but often promoted, coming with training that's intended to force employees to accept things that we don't believe or support. Sometimes when we see such double standards, we simply shake our head in disbelief. We may even offer a sarcastic chuckle. But when the double standard impacts us personally, it cuts much deeper than that. Double standards aren't something unique to our time. They've been around for as long as people have been around, and Jesus was well aware of them. His parable today points out the double standard of the king's debtor, who begged for and received mercy for himself, but then went out and offered no such mercy to one of his servants who owed him a much smaller amount. But what's not so evident when we first hear this parable is just how great the double standard really was. Today's gospel tells us that the debtor owed the king a huge amount. This is an oversimplified translation. Other translations will state that the amount that was owed was 10,000 talents. A talent was worth 6,000 denarii, and denarii was a payment for a day's wages. So when you do the math, this means that the debtor owed the king over 150,000 years of a typical wage of his time. This man could have never possibly repaid the king, and yet the king simply wrote it off. 
And what did the lesser servant owe to his ungrateful leader? The translation is 100 denarii or 100 days wages. This was a double standard of immense proportions. Now, the key message of this parable is the limitless mercy of God, who is represented by the king in the story. God stands ready and willing to forgive anyone who truly repents. And we can all be thankful for the incredible mercy of God. We're all sinners, me included. And we all need his mercy if we're going to spend our eternity with him in heaven. But it doesn't end there. God looks for us to show the same level of mercy toward others. This is why the king was so angry when he heard about how his servant had treated his own servant, refusing to forgive a much lesser amount. This idea is reinforced in the greatest of all prayers, the Our Father. This is the prayer given to us by Jesus himself, and so it is, in fact, the perfect prayer. So, what's the most challenging word in the Our Father? The answer is the word, as. It's so challenging because it calls us to take action that we may not really want to take in order to enjoy God's forgiveness. You see, Jesus clearly instructs us in his prayer to seek the Father's forgiveness. He says, forgive us our trespasses. But he goes on to say that it comes with an expectation of us when he continues by saying, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Put these together, and we find ourselves praying to God the Father that he forgive us, while at the same time we're committing ourselves to forgiving others who have wronged us. The implication here is that we can't fully enjoy the forgiveness of God if we refuse to forgive another for what they've done to us. So often, we simply recite this greatest of all prayers without a full appreciation for what it means and for what it demands of us. And if we stop for just a moment and simply use common sense, we can come to the same conclusion without ever referring to sacred scriptures. We all know people who refuse to forgive others and who instead hold on to their anger with a vengeance. I certainly hope this isn't the case, but perhaps someone listening to this podcast is just such a person. For someone who finds himself in such a state, their refusal to forgive will sometimes consume their thoughts, make them miserable. Such a person struggles to seek forgiveness for themselves because there's no room in their heart for forgiveness of the one who has wronged them. There's a resistance to ask for forgiveness because deep in their heart they realize that they shouldn't seek that which they refuse to give. It's a very sad cycle that can never be escaped without a change of heart and a willingness to forgive others. But what does all of this mean in a very practical sense to those of us who toil day to day in the workplace? Should we spend our time naively accepting the things that people do wrong, playing the role of the king in today's gospel and offering forgiveness for even the worst offenses? Well, the simple answer is yes. We do need to forgive those who have wronged us as often as they repent. I'm certainly not going to second-guess Jesus. But we need to go a little bit deeper to understand what forgiveness means. Forgiveness isn't ignorant of the realities that surround us. We don't foolishly forgive and then move on as if nothing ever happened. Consider the story of the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Jesus speaks to those who wish to stone her with the famous words, Let the one among you who is without sin cast the first stone at her. And they all leave one by one. When he's alone with the woman, he does indeed forgive her. But it doesn't end there. He concludes with, Go and sin no more. You see, forgiveness isn't a one-way street. There's an expectation of contrition on the part of the one who has sinned that comes with the forgiveness. That contrition involves an honest recognition that what was done was wrong, and it must in turn come with a desire to not do it again. Now, can someone truly be sorry for what they've done and then do it again and honestly ask for forgiveness? Yes, they can. And if there's contrition, the forgiveness must be given again, and again, and again. 
True contrition requires unconditional and unlimited forgiveness. But remember that even a priest in the confessional can deny absolution of sins to someone if there's no evidence of contrition. When Jesus spoke to the rich young man in Mark chapter 10, he pressed him and pressed him to see how contrite he really was. He didn't just accept what the man had said, he pushed him further to see how much he really meant it, and the Bible tells us that the man went away sad. So the bottom line here is that forgiveness is not naive. Remember what Jesus said when he sent the twelve out on mission in Mark chapter 10. He said, I'm sending you like sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and simple as doves. But, some would say, what about the classic admonition to forgive and forget? Shouldn't we Christians be willing to just move on as if nothing ever happened? When I was taking classes for the diaconate at Sacred Heart Seminary, I had a wonderful teacher named Sister Mary Finn. Sister Mary was a legend at the seminary because of her simple wisdom and because of her longevity there as a teacher. She's now with the Lord, having passed on a few years ago. May God grant her eternal rest. Sister Mary reminded us in one of her lessons that a lot of people will say the words forgive and forget. In fact, there are many people who will say that this is something that's stated in the Bible. But the truth is that it isn't found in the Bible. Rather, it's an old adage that people like because it sounds profound and wise, and so it's often repeated. Sister Mary preferred to say, forgive and remember. Remember that when Jesus returned after his death and resurrection, his wounds weren't gone. Do you think that Jesus today looks down at those wounds on his hands and his feet and says, huh, where did those come from? No, he knows exactly where they came from and why he had to endure them. He didn't forget, but he did forgive. His wounds were transformed into symbols of victory, but there's a need to remember what happened in order to understand the depth and the meaning of that victory. So forgive and forget? Well, it's a little bit misguided. It asks us to do something that's almost impossible, and it's something that Jesus never asked of us. Forgive, yes, but forget? Sometimes we can't, and frankly, sometimes we shouldn't. Oftentimes what we find in the workplace is people who will seek forgiveness without any sense of contrition for what was done. Now, they may not call it forgiveness because that term comes with religious overtones, but people do things that are wrong, and they want to simply talk it out, perhaps with an HR rep in the room, and then move on. This causes us Christians to beat ourselves up as we try to live out our faith in the workplace. Shouldn't we just cave in and move on, even though we know that they aren't sincere or contrite, even though we know full well that they're going to continue with their bad behavior as soon as they leave the room? Sometimes the answer is no. We shouldn't just brush it under the rug. Sometimes we need to stand up to injustice and bad behavior. If we don't, others will be hurt as well. We've got plenty of examples of people who go unchecked and continue to wreak havoc, both well-known examples from history and lesser-known examples that you have from your own experiences, many of which are at work. Jesus didn't call us to be doormats, letting people walk all over us. He wasn't a doormat either. He was bold. Did he forgive? Yes, without question, the Gospels are full of stories of his great forgiveness. But his mercy wasn't naive. The Gospels are also full of stories of him standing up to injustice, often with very strong words of admonition. Apostolic boldness is one of the six good habits that Archbishop Vigneron calls out in his pastoral letter, Unleash the Gospel. We need to embrace it in our lives and even in the workplace. May God grant you the courage that you need to be appropriately bold so that you can live your faith and witness to Christ and the gospel in your workplace. Thanks for joining me for this week's UTG at Work podcast. I look forward to meeting again next week. In the meantime, I encourage you to boldly live your faith in the workplace in the week ahead. 
I'll pray for your success, and I ask that you pray for the success of this UTG at Work apostolate. If you want to learn more about us, please visit utgatwork.org. Now go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life.